Hey everybody, WC Turk here from Playtime. What I'm about to tell you may save your life, or the life of someone that you know. I'm also going to tell you how I fought the effects of my stroke. Six months. Six months since my stroke. To the very day. Strokes have been in, in the news a lot lately. Candidate for the Senate, John Fetterman, is probably the most prominent example I have listened to the terrible things right-wing media has said about him. I couldn't help but apply that to my own situation, and to the hundreds of thousands who suffer strokes each year in this country. This isn't a campaign ad for John Fetterman, so don't worry. But I think beyond a few slurred words, or taking maybe a bit of time to ponder a question or two, are whether his moral and intellectual capacities are all there. And they seem to be. But I digress. Six months. It was the first time since the passing of Anna's father in November 2021 that we were able to break away and take stock of things and to create. We're both artists. Anna wanted to learn how to play the violin that she, she had just bought. I wanted to do some Impressionist-inspired landscapes. I was also researching ancient indigenous art. We found a place in Wisconsin... Uh, where there were centuries-old petroglyphs nearby. We ended up at a remote cabin just outside of the town of Friendship, Wisconsin. Population 700 and change, I guess. Roughly halfway between the Dells and Madison. The cabin was quaint and peaceful with a giant picture window and a really breathtaking view of a wooded creek with deer and coyotes howling at night. Anna and I took wine in little mason jars and cooked over a fire pit that first night. We swam in the scent of crackling firewood. We sat together on a bench and watched the sunset among the trees. That first night I didn't feel well. In the morning, I couldn't form clear thoughts. Anna wanted to walk the dog by the creek. I joined her at first, but was quickly exhausted. Climbing the hill to the cabin, I found moving my right arm and leg were far more difficult all of a sudden. I knew something wasn't right. Anna, my guardian angel, did as well. As luck would have it, Friendship had a state-of-the-art trauma center, which would garner a lot of jokes from my Wisconsin friends. You know, jokes like, what's the number one phrase before every serious injury in Wisconsin? Hold my beer, honey, and watch this. The trauma center also had a stroke certified specialist on staff that very day. I knew enough before we made it to the hospital about strokes. I had the presence of mind to down a couple of aspirin on the way, which they recommend for somebody suffering a stroke. Anna doesn't drive. She was a city girl. She's always grown up in the city. She's never had a, had a reason to. I was a country boy. I I always had a car. That ten miles from the cabin to the to the hospital was the longest ride of my life, and probably hers too. Still, we were a very very long way from home, and with the dog, they wanted to send me to Madison by ambulance. We had a long candid conversation with the doctor. I had to get Anna and the dog home. I felt I could make it, promising to go to the emergency room in Chicago immediately. The doctor strongly advised against it. With little choice, I signed a waiver, releasing him of any, any liability. 
He said if we made it home to Chicago, they would be waiting for me at Illinois Masonic Hospital. Five and a half hours later, I pulled up to the house, kissed Anna goodbye, and stepped into an Uber. In that time, my leg and arm had worsened. At the emergency room at Illinois Masonic, I literally fell through the door. A nurse at the counter looked sympathetically at me and said, Oh, you must be Mr. Turk. The great folks in Wisconsin had really done their job. I spent the night in the ICU and was moved to a room later on during the night. Those were scary days. Stroke was the fourth leading cause of death in the U.S. in 2010. While in 2020, it moved down to the fifth leading cause of death due to COVID, which I'll get to shortly. I spent three days in the hospital, three long days and nights. The doctors wanted to keep me longer, but I knew the longer I was there, admittedly, a bit irrationally, I felt like I was trapped. But I knew the longer that I was, I was there, my recovery would sort of bell curve, at least psychologically. I talked the doctors into releasing me. But while I was in the hospital, I met with physical rehab specialists who had me walk up and down the halls. I don't think that they necessarily understood what they were unleashing. <laughs> my hand uh, then and my leg had perhaps 80 or 85% impairment. Luckily, there was no speech or cognitive impairment, though my wife might argue that uh, about the, the cognitive part for failing to do chores around the house, but that's for another story. But now given sort of tacit approval and encouragement, I was walking the halls constantly, trying to stay active and eager to begin what would turn out to be the fight of my life in a very, very long recovery. Upon being reluctantly discharged, I was put on a waiting list for outpatient rehab at the hospital for a month I couldn't drive. My podcast, which started off at a fevered pace, was suddenly gone. Earlier that year, I had been asked to, to host a podcast for the Chicago Writers Association once each month. With just two weeks to the June 1st deadline, I made that my first goal of getting that podcast recorded and done. When you're a stroke survivor, goals are critical. I can't stress that enough. Short-term, long-term, small goals, large goals, but goals. Being home really helped. I quickly googled exercises for stroke victims and found a couple of useful videos on YouTube. I knew enough about ischemic strokes, which is what I had, and strokes in general to know that I, I would have to retrain the motor functions to other parts of the brain. I began doing belt and band exercises to strengthen affected parts of my body. My daily walk around the block with the cat and dog helped as well. Anna would scold me about doing too much too soon. She was always looking out for me. My equilibrium was off, and one evening getting out of bed, I fell and crashed through the glass doors of a nearby bookshelf. Note to self, avoid glass doors. I wasn't hurt, thankfully, but that could have gone really, really bad. But in the month between the stroke and my first rehab session, through strength training, I would gained nearly half of my motor functions. I still had a significant impairment 
I liken to a zombie walk. Those first sessions at a rehab were grueling and embarrassing. I had a hand and an arm specialist and a leg specialist. They were great. It wasn't just strength training, however. I was learning to use my arm and hand anew as my brain physically rewired itself to compensate in a different part of the brain. The hand specialist was putting, was having me put together Legos, picking up blocks and lifting them to a bin. The stroke had reduced my, my motor f- functions to the state of a preschool child, but it was all necessary. You have to learn all of those things again. I was told this by the specialists that many people did not follow through with exercises outside the hospital or moderate their lifestyle. I threw myself fully into rehab as well as making significant lifestyle changes in diet, alcohol consumption, and blood pressure. One day after rehab, I'd had enough of Uber and taxis. Remember, I still wasn't driving. Something got in my gut. I was a little bit pissed. I was a little bit pissed at myself, at the situation... And I walked out of the hospital in Lincoln Park and zombie walked past Wrigley Field and made it to Wilson Avenue, the better part of three miles before I was utterly exhausted. But that was important. I could do it. I didn't do it again, (laughs) but I could do it. I began walking the dog daily uh, the mile and a half up Ridge uh, and around a nearby park. I did the exercises I was given and more. Within a month of rehab, I was able to drive short distances again to the store, back and forth to rehab, and then finally taking on it to work again. Still had that limp and had plateaued in strength on my right side. I'd always been a runner, though I had sort of given up on it for a while after suffering a heart issue a couple of years back. The specialists worked on me with that. But I was terrified of falling on my face, and a couple of attempts at home did not end well. They worked out a system to help me build into into running again. Strength-wise, I was still struggling. I still had a pretty notable limp as well. And I I was still fighting a fatigue the likes of which I had never known. It sat my endurance, preventing me from getting over that significant plateau, impeding my progress. And I remembered this. When I was in high school, I ran track and cross country. Coach Pandola, this gruff fifth degree black belt, was our coach. And he would have us running what were called intervals. You walk or jog a bit, sprint, or run a distance. And like that, it's all, it's all meant to build up your endurance and strength. So pretty soon I was running a track in the suburbs at 5 a.m. doing intervals and was making real progress, both in strength and endurance, and then it hit. We were giving a friend a ride to work one morning. She never said a word until she got in the car and coughed on my neck, apologizing, saying that she thought that she was positive for COVID. That was it. We bought throat lozenges, Theraflu, chicken soup, and waited for the uh, the train to wreck. Thankfully, Anna and I had been vaccinated. Still, the virus hit us like a like a brick wall, and interrupted my progress for better than a month. It was a really hard setback, both physically and mentally. And three weeks ago, I began walking the dog on a three mile loop 
in a suburban forest preserve. I'm looking forward to picking up running again soon, but that's where I am six months out. My balance still falters a bit. I find myself kind of weaving a little bit like a like a, I might have had a little bit too much to drink, but I haven't. Luckily, when I'm behind the wheel, no effect. But I still drive short distances. Nothing long, nothing crazy. There's still a slightly noticeable limp uh, and pains in my left hip from the compensation when I don't pay attention to correcting my stride or measuring my stride. Another lesson from my cross-country days, shin splints. Back then I, I had shin splints because I just didn't know enough about stretching. And I learned very quickly that you stretch the front of, of an affected leg to prevent these tiny little fractures caused by the stress of muscles and tendons pulling on the bone. have to stretch those muscles regularly to mitigate that painful condition. They don't tell you that in rehab, that's for sure. This is ongoing, but I was never one to give up on, on anything. And that stay-in-the-fight defiance in the fate of overwhelming adversity is an absolute must. Two other significant things that affect the outcome of all this. I have an amazing community of friends and family who have rallied to my side through all this. The other blessing is the love of my life, Anna. I will never, ever understand what she sees in me or why she, is, why she has remained at my side all of these years. She is my one and only true light, despite myself. But she has unwaveringly remained beside me and a pillar a rock, a mountain of support. And that is the greatest wealth I could have ever wished for. It illustrates something that I've always thought about. What is the meaning of our existence? My answer? Beyond this world, in the cold depths of an endless universe, we are nothing. But here on Earth, that makes each and every one of us an even more pre- precious commodity, and even more of a blessing in the world, and to each other. I'm going to continue this fight. Maybe I'm just too dumb to give up and quit. Thank you all. Be well. And please, please, take care of each other.